0: Good morning, good morning, buenos dias morning. a todos, Dios los bendiga, mi familia, it's good to see you, God bless you all, praise God, it is good, it is great to be in the house of God this morning, yeah. praise the Lord, you guys don't, got look, I'm just excited, I, I don't, you guys, I want to sit down, I want to preach so bad, But I'm a teacher more than I'm a preacher, but it's still in me right now because I'm excited that I get to see y'all's faces this morning. Praise God. I I know during this whole COVID uh, stay-at-home pandemic thing or whatever we want to call it, I, I, I sat back and as I was sitting at home, I was like, God, why God? And I said, Lord, I will never, never take the house of God for granted again. I, 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 I'm telling you, you know, like, I'm just like, dude, are we open this? Are we open today? I can't wait to get to church. After being away from church so long, I miss seeing y'all's faces. And right now I'm being honest. I want to hug you guys. I want to grab you around your neck. I want to squeeze you. I want to uh, uh, squeeze you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We got to do the little hi hey, and everything. Cause got a social distance and we got to follow rules and and stuff like that. I understand that we got We got to do our due diligence, the saints of God. I'm just telling you how I'm feeling right now. I'm all excited. I I literally want to jump off stage and squeeze some of y'all till your back cracks. Just, uh, that's how I feel right now. Full of the joy of the Lord this morning. Full of it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad there's one person else in the house that's excited about being in the house of God. My goodness. Everybody's excited about being at rallies and everything else, and then on Sunday, we get quiet. I did. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I want people to get excited about Jesus, excited about his body, excited about us coming together and just being able to praise and worship his name together without any hindrances. Praise God. So I'm excited to see you even though there's there's these restrictions. I have a hope that soon I'll be able to give you that hug. I'll be able to give you that high five. I'll be able to sit down and we can have coffee without worrying about what other people are going to say about our freedoms in Christ. I'm going there today. I'm just going there. Man, I don't know about this world, but I have hope. God loves us so much. He started us on hope on this hope series before all this happened. You guys go back and look. I'm telling you, it is the providence of God. It's the hand of God on the Building Christian Fellowship because we started preaching about hope before the series on hope. And then the pandemic hit, and we were talking about hope because what? We started losing our hope. All of us did. I don't care how saved you are. You lost your hope. We all did. There was things that people were like, well, what's going to happen? When you start worrying about... uh, I'm getting to him. I'm getting my message. So, on that note, we are going to continue with our series, Building Hope. Vamos a continuar con nuestra serie construyendo esperanza. Now, if you didn't already know, we've been inspired by this wonderful book, It's called The Hope Quotient by Pastor Ray Johnston. Great book. It basically says, measure it, midelo, raise it, levantalo, uh, you'll never be the same, nunca uh, seras igual. Listen, if you ain't got this book, you need to go out and get it. What are you doing with your life? Right? You need to have this book and download the app, both of them, the app, the church app. What you doing with your life? This book will change your life. How many people want to be changed? Come on, I don't want to be the same. To be honest, if you don't want to be changed, then why do you come to church? For community? I come to church because I want to be changed. And if I want to be changed, and this is one of the things that we have a problem with Christians, and the world thinks it this way too. That's why they're calling the world fake because a lot of us Christians use God like a genie. You know, we go go to the genie lamp, it's called a Bible, and we start rubbing it and go, God, heal me. God, change me. God, search my heart, and whatever's in there that's not like you, take it out. God says, wait a minute. First of all, I'm called your helper. Now, I don't know about you. Has anybody ever asked you to come to their house and help them move? No? Oh, thanks, Fran. I mean, maybe I'll just talk to the wall. I, I don't know. People ask you to move. They say, can you come help me move? Now, what if you go to their house, and you're the one packing and moving furniture, and they're sitting there? Listen, you're not helping them move. You're doing it for them. God says, I'm your helper. That means you play a part in removing the stuff out of your heart that ain't like him. I'm sorry, you didn't, did did I just give you the real image of what God is? He's a helper. He's there for you. Now, don't get me wrong. God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. But his whole point is to empower his people. He says, listen, man, God, I need hope in my life. God says, okay. So I spoke to Ray Johnson's life, and he wrote this book. And I, because I need hope, because I need to raise my hope quotient, because I need to make sure that I have more hope in my life, than he wrote this book. He says, get the book and read it so that you yourself can have more hope. You prayed to God, I want more hope. He gives you a book to read. God, I want to be free. God says, I want you free. I died for you to be free. But you're going to have to do something. Because faith without works, come on, y'all, come on. So anyway, here at the building, our focus has always been nuestro enfoque in the building, construyendo tu fe, uh, tu esperanza, tu amor, y construyendo relaciones pertinentes y reales. Our focus has always been on building faith, building hope, building love, and building a real, relevant relationship. Listen. Listen very carefully. We have focused so much on building faith, building hope, and building love. We've been doing a great job of it. We talk about love, our building faith. We talk about how we walk in faith. Faith without works is dead. We talk about agents of faith. We talk about we don't need to be spreading fear, but we need to spread faith. And the people of God here have been doing things in faith. We've been doing a great job. Then you jump over, and then we look at love. Of course, we're doing really great at love because we have these great relationships that go on here. Our relationships at church aren't just at church. People, we've been having relationships outside of church. During the whole COVID-19 thing, I see how everybody was staying connected. People were using Zoom and Facebook Live and making phone calls and and breaking quarantine. Okay, I didn't say that on live there. Anyway, but you guys still, the love is there. We had it. It's down. I see that. But we forgot and we neglected to help raise your hope. Now, listen... God allowed some things to happen. The church ended up not meeting. There's other things you weren't able to do. Shopping, you weren't able to go out. And then we lost all these things. Now watch this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and 13 it says this. Now these three things remain. Everything else has been taken from you, but God said there's these three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. La fe, la esperanza, y amor. He says, I left these three things for you. Now, we have these three things. He said, I left you faith, you've been operating in faith. I left you love, you've been operating in love. But there's no hope. What's going on with hope in my church? ¿Por qué es importante la esperanza? Why is hope so important? I'm glad you asked. Hope is the bridge that connects your faith to love the life you're living. You guys hear that? There's faith, hope, and love. Hope's in between. Hope is the bridge that connects your faith to love the life you're living. Esperanza es el puente que conecta tu fe para amar la vida que vives. Tough circumstances are no match for the kind of inner strength that's fueled by hope. Algunos nacien con fuerzas, inteligencia y favor. Some people are born with strength. And some people are born with intelligence and favor. La esperanza no es algo con lo que naces. But hope isn't something you're built with. Hope is something you have to get a hold of and grow. You got to get a hold of hope. It doesn't come to you naturally. Sometimes you got to fight to have hope. And when you get it, you got to hold on to it. Durante nuestra seria hemos aprendido. During our series, we learned this. The single most important thing you can, can get for hope is to stay encouraged. The single most important thing for you to get to keep hold of hope is to stay encouraged. I don't know one discouraged person that has hope. You guys know anybody that walks around is like, okay, I'm going to date myself. But there was this character on the Flintstones. His name was Sleprock. Rock. Some of y'all remember. yes. Yeah, somebody say yes bad luck slept rock. He always walked around like this. Never had any hope. Everything was miserable. Everything was bad. Watch this. Because he never had hope, people called him bad luck because he had no hope because bad things always happened around him. And if you hung around slept rock, you were bound to have bad things happen to you too. Mm, maybe you didn't catch that you know there's some people that are walking around that have no encouragement and because they have no encouragement they don't have any hope and because they don't have any hope they walk around down and you're friends with them and guess what every time you hang around them why do you feel drained your life is good but when they get around you start evaluating your life thinking man my life is bad too El estimulo uh, es la base de la esperanza. Encouragement is the foundation on which hope is built upon. So when we're encouraged, we can start to have hope. When I'm feeling good, I'm, I'm encouraged about stuff, that I, I, I begin to dream. I begin to think about what I could be or what I could become or how, what can become of this or what that. If, if you're discouraged in your marriage, you don't have any hope for your marriage. But when something happens, when there's an encouragement that happens, when you see a sparkle, just a light in a dark marriage, if something just sparks real quick, then all of a sudden you become encouraged. And when you're encouraged at that spark, you start to think, I believe that things can get better. And when you start having the encouragement, then you start believing, then guess what? Hope comes in. And then that hope doesn't live right now. Hope lives in the future. We also learn, aliento no es solo para los Encouragement isn't just for the discouraged. You know, all of us are running around looking for discouraged people to encourage. That's good. I'm not going to knock that. But what we have to realize is just because people are encouraged right now doesn't mean that they don't still need encouragement. Encouragement, now, just this, 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 this picture a ship that's a sailboat, and it, a wind blows one time. And the sails catch the wind And it and it goes for a distance and it stops, but why? Because the wind stopped blowing. Do you get it? What happens with us is being encouraged. We could walk around being encouraged, but encouragement is the wind in the sails of every person to get to their hope and what they're hoping for. You got to continually encourage. Why can't we be people of encouragement? Not just encouraging the discouraged, but just every time I open up my mouth, it's like a, a wellspring that brings life to a person that's around me. It's like apples of gold, as the Bible says. So every time I speak, instead of speaking of something negative, I choose to speak something that's encouraging to give somebody encouragement so they can get to where they need to go in the place that God has them, in the place that they're hoped for. Over the the last few weeks, we we heard about what is hope and what's not hope. Uh, Pastora Kaya, she, she preached about hope is the antidote. What is hope the antidote for? Hope is the antidote for all your discouragement. When you're sitting around and you're discouraged, you're you're upset, you don't think anything's going on, and you become sick. You know, you get sick in your body when you have nothing to live for. And we're looking for antidotes, drugs, alcohol, different other things. No, that's not going to give you hope. What's going to give you hope? Hope's the antidote, and Jesus Christ is that antidote. Pastor J.R. preached, escaping from the prison of now. So many of us are caught in a prison. We're stuck in this prison, a jail cell, and we don't even realize it because we're so used to being in it. He says, we got to escape from now. Why? Because hope doesn't live in today. Hope doesn't live in yesterday. Hope lives in the future. And I need to learn. I got to get out of Alcatraz, y'all. It's a place that you almost can't escape. But I can escape out of this day to today because I can hope for the future. And Pastor Donald preached about impossible hope. He talked about having hope when things, all things around us seem dark. It almost seems impossible. How can there be any hope? Kind of like the uh, apostles and the people of God. When Jesus was killed, they thought their hope was gone, but they misplaced their hope. They put Jesus in a tomb. He was the hope of the world. They misplaced him. They put him in a place he didn't belong. There was a reason why it was a borrowed tomb. I I, I I could really start preaching right now. It was, a, it was a borrowed tomb because what you borrow, you only need for a minute. But they didn't even understand that it would, oh, come on, somebody. They didn't understand it. They, they should have, if they just would have thought, they like, wait, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the light. If you're the way, the truth, and the light, they can't snuff you out. So, oh, you're going to borrow a tomb. It's a borrowed tomb. It's Joseph of Arimatheus. He's going to die one day. He's going to need his tomb. Okay, so you're going to borrow it because he said if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it in three days. Nobody thought about that when he said it. he gave them hope he said look if this temple is destroyed i will raise it in three days he gave them the hope but they forgot about the word of god like some of us and we get all caught up in what we see and faith isn't what you see the faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and all of a sudden they put jesus somewhere their misplaced hope inside of a grave not even realizing it's borrowed anything you borrow you got to return What happens if somebody borrows something and doesn't give it back? You're a thief. Woo. God ain't a thief. (laughs) Uh, So today we're going to talk about, vamos a hablar sobre asesinos de esperanza. We're going to talk about hope killers. Hope killers. How many people got things in their life that you know just kills my hope, kills my joy? Yes. Some of y'all, as soon as I said it, you started picturing people. Well, they ain't on my list. I'm not <laughs> mm. Now, if you don't know already, some of you guys are Bible scholars, but I'm going to help you guys out. If you go to your Bibles and you read chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1... It is called the Hall of Faith. That's just the nickname of it. Because as you go through Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it goes on and starts talking about everybody, all the men and women of God that went before us that walked by faith. They they had so much faith in the Word of God that even the things that they were promised, the things that they were supposed to get, that they suffered death, never receiving the promises on earth. But they're saying, I have a more excellent thing that I'm going to receive, and that's eternal life. Because they had so much faith. And as we're reading about their faith, we're reading about Abraham and how Abraham had so much faith that he, he, he went to, to, to sacrifice his son. It tells us all, everything about faith. It shows us what faith looks like. It shows us how our faith should be. And then we go over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it starts by saying this, therefore we also. What does that mean? Therefore, we also. Okay, now they told us about all the old people of faith. Now it goes, therefore, we also. So now he's going to give you instruction. If you want to be like them, yeah. this is what we need to do. Then he says, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Can I just break this down just real quick? I already said that this, this is what Paul, or the, actually it's the writer of Hebrews because we're not sure if it's Paul or not. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, if you want to be like Abraham, if you want to be like the other children of God that have so much faith, this is what you need to do. He says, seeing that we're surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. Let me tell you something. There isn't a cloud in the sky with a bunch of people watching you. The great cloud of witnesses, what you're talking about is the world. There are people that are outside the church that are watching the church. They're watching us to see how we're responding to trouble. Seeing that you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, seeing that you are being watched by a bunch of ungodly people, uh, by a bunch of people that are looking for hope, they're watching you, seeing that you better lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares you. Get rid of all the weight. And it says, and then run, run, not walk, not crawl with endurance, the race that is set before us. So if I want to have faith to connect to the bridge called hope, to love the life that I live, if we want to be people of hope, God tells us that we need to let go of everything that is toxic in our lives. Everything toxic. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I worked out, we used to have to pick up these sandbags, 80-pound sandbag. You got to hold it like this. Let me tell you something. It's hard to run with that. It's hard to run a race with 80 pounds. You guys hear what I'm saying? Some of us are into so much sin that we're trying to run the race of God with an 80-pound bag of sin. It also goes on, it's, it's not just sin, but there's just some certain things in our lives that we just don't need. Can, can, can we be honest, saints? There's just some things in our life that really is not sin, but it's not necessary for us living. And we're trying to run this race that God has set before us with endurance. Now, mind you, why is he saying with endurance? Because this race isn't given to the swift. This isn't a sprint. I got to run this race till the end. And that means if I want to carry something that ensnares me, it's too heavy, it's too... Just, just let it go. There was, there's a song, a prophetic song by the prophetess Elsa. I believe it goes, let it go, let it go. Yeah, okay, you guys. Now listen, I want to set up this message for you so you can see who's actually behind this game of Jumanji that our nation is currently playing. Okay, if you guys don't understand it, go watch Jumanji today. It's a perfect day. It's a family movie. Watch all the Jumanjis. You'll understand what's going on, okay? Because right now you've got people, there's craziness going on, there's sickness, there's villains, there's, there's everything, animals running loose in different places. We're playing a giant game of Jumanji right now. All right, you guys with me? Now listen, man by himself is not smart enough to orchestrate this kind of mayhem that's going on. I need y'all to hear me when I say this. Man by himself is not smart enough to orchestrate this kind of mayhem that's going on. I hear y'all want to say, no, it's the Democrats. No, it's the Republicans. No, it's the House. No, it's the Senate. Oh, no, it's the deep state. No, it's the super deep state. No, it's on the dark web. No, it's on the super black type. Dark web. he's on one of those no it ain't that I'm here to tell you guys listen very carefully there is a king of confusion and chaos there is a furor of fear and there is a designer of division destruction and distraction and his name is Satan That's it. That's it you he's the number two power of in creation God and then Satan you got well. Wait a minute. Why are you giving him so much power? Because he was he was basically second in command. He got all the strength. That listen to me help. Let me help you out. We cannot fight Satan on our own. That's why the scripture says, "Greater is He that is in me than He." It doesn't say them, but He that is in the world. Satan is here on this world. And for me to do battle with Satan, I can't do it by myself. You ever heard that term is that your arms are too short to box with God? Well, guess what? they too short to box with Satan. So when you have God in you, you are able to stand strong against the wiles of the enemy. Therefore, put ye on all the armor of God. Oh, I can't, I ain't got time to get into it. You guys you have to understand, Satan is a spirit, and if we're going to go to war with the spirit, we have to use spiritual means. It's crazy, you guys. We're trying to fight something spiritual with something natural. Watch this. second Corinthians 10 and 4 says, "Our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God." Saints, we are trying to fight. It's like punching at the air. I talked about it last week. You ever see somebody out on the street? They just walking around the street and they start fighting and swinging. And you laughing at him because he's <laughs> crazy. It's demonic. You don't realize it. Yeah, they got some mental illness going on, but it's demonic. They're seeing things that we're not seeing. But you know what? As crazy as that looks, we're doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, I'm about to break it down for you. Listen, the s- Satan is trying to outsmart us and kill our hope, so we have to know his plan, his scheme, so that we won't be distracted and lose hope. We got to know what the devil's up to. The devil has, he got tactics. You, you know, he, he ran an army. He was a general. He had angels. He, he, he knows about war. He knows about distractions. Say to God, let me, let me tell you something. You know what he's doing to us? He's distracting us. We need to know his schemes. The Bible talks about how smart he is, how cunning he is. It talks about he's very subtle. He's so subtle we don't realize it. He's got us fighting ourselves. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us. So it's telling you, listen, let me help you out so he doesn't fool you. It says, be aware of his schemes. Don't be unaware of what he does. So, if I know what his plan is, if I know what his scheme is, then when it comes, in, 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 when it comes before me, I won't fall for it. Yeah, right. yeah. Joe Lewis, the brown bomber, greatest boxer ever to live. I don't care, y'all can say Tyson or whoever you want. Joe Lewis is the, the greatest boxer to ever lived. Held his belt and his title for years. And when he was asked, listen, Joe, how were you able to hold your belt for so long? Joe turns around. He doesn't say, you know, I stick and move. I was able to do this. He says, look, it's not that I'm such a great boxer. It's that I learn how my enemy fights. Because I know how my enemy fights. It enables me how to fight him. If you know how the devil works, if you know how the devil operates, guess what? You'll know how to fight him. But what he's doing to us right now, he's doing a distraction. I'm going to share a couple of things with you that I, I, I've, lo- I've learned when I was in the military. When I was in the military, we're going out, we're doing maneuvers, and, and you know, you always got this dude that really will get y'all killed. I'm sorry. He's going to get everybody killed. Anybody ever play Modern Warfare? You understand. There's one dude on the team that gets everybody killed. So what you do is, look, everybody's got to use. So this is what we used to tell the guys. you stand standing, you're going to like, listen, private, I need you to move out and draw fire. Some of y'all military people got that. Move out, draw fire. Basically, what that means in layman's terms is I need you to run that way. So the enemy sees you running that way, and I need you to run fast. So when you go that way, they'll be watching you and you'll draw their fire. They'll start shooting at you. And meanwhile, where their attention is on you, I'm gonna creep around this way and we'll surprise attack them. It's an analogy. Satan's doing that to the church right now he's telling us right now you know what your problem is with police your problem is with COVID your problem is with white people your problem is with black people and we're running over here to fight this fight and we're doing all this other stuff but meanwhile while we're doing this he's he's sneaking around and he's attacking the church Saints, you better listen to me because his goal is to kill the hope of the church and if he kills the hope of the church he kills the hope of the world Know it. Now, because of this cancel culture that we live in, I feel it necessary because if I don't, if I say something about one thing and don't say something about the other, people automatically assume that I don't care about the other thing. So I just want to just let you guys know something. Yes, we have a, 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 race, a racial issue. Yes, there is police brutality. Yes, there is COVID-19 going on. But saints of God, I'm trying to tell you, and I'm going ahead of myself, but I'm letting you know right now. The possibility of it happening, yes, it's probable. Yes, it's probable that I'm going to catch COVID-19. Yes, it's possible that I can have police brutality. Yes, it's possible that I could be discriminated against. Is it probable? No. It's not. Yeah, you guys are looking at me. <laughs> we'll get back today. So you guys, divorce your anger for a minute. And finish listening to what I'm saying. Yes. Believe it or not, the first place the, the enemy's going to attack is his church. Right. He's gonna attack the church, not his church, this church, God's church. Mm-hmm. Why is he attacking it? I said it. Because if he can destroy our hope as the church, right. he destroys the hope of the world, right. then the world has no hope. Right. Yeah. Am I talking to my Christians here today? Yeah. Yes, I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to Black Christians. I'm talking to White Christians. I'm talking to Filipino Christians, Guamanian Christians. I'm t- did I miss any? Some Latino Christians? Did I miss anybody? Yes, yes. That's a Latino. Yes, okay. Yes, uh, Japanese. Uh, everything. Okay, we cut, we covered it all. I'm, I'm, you guys are laughing, but I'm telling you, the culture nowadays is bad. It's just bad. I gotta mention everybody because if I don't, people get upset and they get offended, and then next you know, I got a Facebook post and talking about how I'm racist. I'm just being, you got churches shutting down because a pastor says stuff like, look, we're all Christians. We should be Christians first. And then they get canceled because people say Christians are, they're, they're homophobic and they're racist and they're hate this hate speech and they close the church down. That's the culture we live in today. So now you basically got to stand flat footed and preach the gospel and go, you know what God, I'm putting it in your hands. I can't please everybody, but I can't please God. Listen, the enemy's goal is to use pseudo-Christians. Pseudo. Okay? Pseudo-Christians. That means people that want to be Christian by name. I want the benefits of being a Christian. I like to say I'm a Christian, but I don't want to submit to Christ. You guys, you know, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You guys don't know anybody like that? Like that? Okay. I'll describe them to you. The ones that aren't connected in church, the ones that aren't all in, the ones that don't read their Bibles, the ones that are Christian second or third before they're Christian first. These are people that put other things before they're Jesus, but yet they talk about Jesus, they want to rely on it. And, and, and by the way, uh, ugh, I'm talking about pastors too. Yeah, ain't just people, there's pastors. Yeah, very sad. And because these people are just hearers of the word and not doers of the word, they are in disobedience to Jesus Christ. And they are prime candidates to be used by the devil. See, the devil will distract you. He'll distract you by using the people of God. You, You guys hear me? Right here in church, because there's people in here in church that will sit back, and because they get so focused on one thing, they get distracted. They're shooting at the guy that's moving out and drawing fire. And because they're doing that, you know what? Sometimes they get other guys to come with them. It's like, dude, look. look. And they start shooting. They start shooting. They shoot. Meanwhile, coming from behind, here comes the enemy. And God, I mean, the devil will use these people. And Watch this. And this is how I know he uses people in disobedience. Watch this. It's not me making it up. I'm not making this up. Open your Bibles. You'll see it. Ephesians chapter two and two, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So, ladies, I'm here to tell you that word "sons" is not—it's uh, not sexist, and, and God, God's an equal opportunity God. This means men and women. Okay. When you are disobedient, you are a prime candidate for the enemy to use you for his vices. Praise God. Now, I want to share something real quick because over the last week, you guys, you know, the position I stand in, I didn't ask for. It just happens. I've been getting calls from all over the nation from pastors, white and black pastors. A lot of mainly white pastors. They're calling me Pastor John. What should I say? What should I do? I got my congregation. They're demanding that I say something. People from outside my church, people in the community which I serve that don't come to my church are saying that I gotta say something about racism. I gotta say something about Mr. Floyd. I gotta say something about COVID-19. And these and they're not only saying that I gotta say something. They're telling me what I need to be saying and where I need to stand. And they're demanding that I say it. But I don't know if I should say anything. I don't know what's going on. But before I go on to that, I don't know how many people actually saw Pastor Donald's video this week. Okay. If you ain't seen it, go on Facebook and look at it. You know why? Because I'm going to talk to people because people are getting mad and they want to yell out that your silence is violence. Well, Pastor Donald breaks down something really good about silence. And I, and I used to complain about it here at this church because we're a quiet church. Trust me, we're a quiet church. I, I, let's be honest, I've, been to, I've been to a Latino church. As soon as I get up and go praise God, everybody's like, hallelujah, they're full of fire. And I'm, I'm like, man, that's, that, that helps you preach. You know, you'd you be going. But I told my wife one day, why is everybody so quiet? Why isn't anybody saying anything? You know what she told me? Because they're listening. Do you know what? There's a lot of pastors that are sitting back. They're not saying anything, not because they're approving or that they're putting a seal on what's happening. They're listening. That's what we wanted. We want people to listen. Because sometimes people will be so quick to say something. I think there's a scripture about that. People want to be quick to say something, and they'll say something, and people are going to hold them accountable for what they say. They never thought about it. They never considered the whole matter, and they just want to speak to please people, and they lose out, and they end up being worse. But instead, if they sit down, and they listen, and they go, I hear the cries. I hear the concerns. Now I know what to take before the throne so that I can hear from God, so that I can turn and speak to the people about it. Because I don't, listen, I got friends, white pastors that love black people and they, there's no black people in their towns. Trust me, been there. But they don't know what to do. They believe racism is a sin. They believe all that, but they don't want to speak out and be insensitive. This is true, guys. Let's have a little grace in this world. These pastors have shown time and time again, even there's pastors that have uh, uh, multi-ethnic congregations, but yet you got people in the congregations that are still demanding that he says something. Where do you stand? What do you mean, where do I stand? I stand on the pulpit. And, and, and listen, Saints, I'm just trying to bring this to light to you because it's so many, just, we're so busy trying to get people to understand us, but we're not taking the time to understand them. We're people of God. I'm not talking to the world, I'm talking to y'all sitting in here, and those of you that may be listening. Us as Christians need to have a little grace. We always want grace, we're quick to want grace, but we ain't quick to give grace. It's quiet in here. And if I offend you, good. Because you're if I offend you, it's going to make you move and do something. Yeah, and I, one, one pastor told me, he says, you know what? If, if they're offended, that means they're guilty. You know why? Because I stand here and I could preach about tithing. And everybody that tithes doesn't mind. Oh, I just hit there, didn't I? Yeah. I could preach about tithing and giving, and all the people that preach that, that tithe and give, they're like, "Hey, amen, come on, pastor. Yes, sir, I believe that. I'm a witness. They'll be up there praising you. But the people that don't tithe or give, they sit back quiet. Why are you always talking about money? So you have pastors that are sitting in a place where if they do say something, either they said too much or they, or they said too little, they didn't say what's right, and it leaves these pastors discouraged. Let me tell you something, saints. This is why, this, the, that Satan uses people to go to these pastors, and these pastors get discouraged. Because if you have a discouraged pastor, you have a discouraged church. Discouraged church, no hope. No hope in the church, no hope in the world know the enemy's vices and i was praying about this and i was like god What what is going on? What is happening? My friends, these guys, these men of God, I love them. What what can I say to them? What can I give them? And God gave me a word. And if you're a pastor and you're watching this today, and maybe you're not a pastor, maybe you're just a man of God, God gave me this word to give to you from 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 through 5. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. But you, pastor, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all duties of your ministry. I hope that encourages you. So now let's talk about the five hope killers. Saint, let me just share something with you. Satan is trying to disarm you in this fight. If I'm fighting somebody, I'm fighting them. With my hands, right? I got hands. Y'all don't want to see these hands, right? I got hands. But what can stop me from fighting and make me ineffective is if you tie my hands behind my back. And that's what the enemy's trying to do to us. He's trying to disarm us in this spiritual fight. And how does he do it? He disarms us by getting us to focus on people and not on the spirit that's driving them. He disarms us and now we, he be, we become, listen, we become pawns in his game of chess. And when you're a pawn in the game of chess, I'm telling you, he's a strategist. Yeah. He knows how to play. And guess what? When you give in to what the devil is doing and what he's saying because you don't know his schemes, he knocks you off the board and it's checkmate. Yeah. Yeah. You're done. The church is done, the hope of the world is done, because we're all, listen, a body fitly joined together, If we need all of us to have hope. Look, when one of you guys in here is hurting, that's why the Bible says, mourn with those that mourn, rejoice with those that rejoice. When one of you are hurting here, listen, when my stomach hurts, my whole body's affected. When my feet hurt, am I, come on somebody, when my feet hurt, I'm my whole body, my body needs to sit down for my feet. You guys hear me? My wife's back was out just last week. When my wife's back was out, everything else was working fine, but her back went out, so it caused her the whole body had to lay down and rest in order for her back to heal. I really hope you guys are catching this analogy. When there's an injury in the body, we need to tend to the injury first. Let that get healed so that the whole body will be fitly joined together by each part will supply what the other one needs so that we can move forward in the world and bring hope into the world so that people will see that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that we are living by faith, that we're not full of fear like the rest of this world. trying to figure out did I skip something okay let's talk about the five hope killers that we deal with as Christians the first one bitterness and resentment bitterness and resentment will kill your hope because they keep you focused on the offense and not on the future Pastor J.R. preached a great message, escaping from the prison of now. Bitterness and resentment are the ball and chain to, to keep you from moving forward to your hope in your future. Now, saints of God, I'm just here to say this, ball and chain. For you men in here, stop thinking about your wives. That's not what I'm talking about. A ball and chain. Can you imagine trying to run with a ball and chain on? The, the reason why a ball and chain was to get you to stay in place. It's hard to drag that ball. Keeps you from running with endurance the race that God has set before you. I just quoted a scripture that we just read, in case you didn't know that. If God commanded us to run the race, we're not going to be able to run this race with bitterness and resentment. Bitterness is so deadly, it should be put on the CDC's top infectious disease list. Watch this, look what the the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness is so bad that other people catch it. You guys hearing what I'm saying? Bitter people make other people bitter. There's people that are walking around having enjoying life and a bitter person shows up and they complain and they nag about everything because this is what happened to me and I and this, and, this and, blah, 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 blah. and then they get you start looking at all the bad things in life instead of looking at the good things in life. And now you become bitter and you become full of resentment and you can't even hope for the future. Yes, you were hurt, you were offended. But now, guess what? Because you've been hurt and offended before, guess what you do? You're you're, you're bitter, you're full of resentment, and then guess what? You're afraid to be hurt again. So you're so afraid to be hurt again, you walk around with this guard on, which is called bitterness. Resentment. No, I don't want to have this relationship. No, I can't go there. Somebody comes up and be like, whatever. You guys are laughing because you know people like that. You're like, they're describing somebody I know. Look, living in the past, that's living in the past. When we keep thinking about what was done to us, what happened to us, what so-and-so did to us, whatever, whatever, we're living in the past. And when you live in the past, you can't enjoy your present. And if you can't enjoy your present, there's no way you can think about the future. And guess what lives in the future? Your hope. If you're too busy resenting the things that happen to you and the bitterness and, and resentment, you cannot move forward in life. It will kill your hope. Right. Saints of God, you cannot marry hope until you divorce your anger. Yeah. You got to divorce anger. Some, too many of us are loving our anger. too many of us like being here. They like, they like being angry. Get rid of your anger so that you can move on to your hope. There's greater things ahead than what happened to you in the past. And you guys are going, Pastor, how do I know if I'm bitter or resentful? You guys are asking great questions today, by the the way. Look, you're probably bitter if you're jaded, you hold grudges, you struggle to take advice from people, you're jealous and never congratulate others. Hmm. You have continual and reincurring feelings of strong emotions, such as anger, when things about a specific interaction or experience is brought up, the inability to stop thinking about the event that triggered the strong emotions. In other words, you just can't let it go. Uh, feelings of regret, uh, fear or avoidance of conflict, yeah, tense relationships. Every person that you, you're around, you know, like, it's like, dude, I don't even want to be around them, man. I don't want to be around them. But what they did to me. Then you regret. There's regret in there. You got those feelings, feeling like when you're around certain people, you're like, I feel invisible. They don't never notice me. I don't feel good enough. I feel less than. You're probably full of bitterness and resentment. You got to get rid of that. Get rid of the bitterness because if you don't, somebody else is going to catch it. It's like, a, it's like, listen, guys, bitterness is like a hand grenade. The, the enemy says, if I can get one bitter person in church, I'm going to if you watch an explosion happen in slow motion, it starts off small, but it goes and it grows and it grows and it grows and it affects everything that's around it. That's a bitter person. When a bitter person enters into a congregation and he doesn't deal with his bitterness, as it says there in Hebrews, that, that, listen, it says, be careful that you don't fall short of the grace of God. So people that are bitter and resentful are missing, they're missing out on the grace of God. They come in and they blow up and people around them start getting bitter and resentful too. Did that person do that to you? You know what? Somebody did that to me in my life too. You know what? Yeah, I'm angry. Now you mad about it. Second whole killer, worry and anxiety. This is another condition as a result of fear. We tend to worry and be anxious about things that could happen. Let me read that. This worry and anxiety is another condition that is caused by fear. We tend to worry and be anxious about things that could happen. Possible, yes, probable, no. Possible, yes, yes, probable, no. Let's try that again. Possible, probable, Yes. Let me read to you what Ray Johnson says in his book. He says, worry is utterly worthless. It can't change the past. It can't control the future. All it does is make you miserable today. Worry has been connected to high blood pressure, heart trouble, blindness, migraines, thyroid malfunction, and a host of stomach disorders. People who don't know how to fight worry die young. You're worried about dying young or dying early, but because you're worrying, you're going to die anyway. Did you catch that? Worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength to God, over the past few months, and I'm going to address this, and this is where you guys are going to get angry with me. But it's okay, because this house is full of grace. Amen? amen? I'm glad you guys said amen. Thank you. You just gave me permission. Over the past few months, we've been bombarded about people that have died from COVID-19, people that have been victims of racism, people that have been suffered uh, police brutality, because that's all you see on the news. They just want to show you what the bad, all the bad news. Bad news about COVID. Bad news about racism. Bad news about uh, police brutality. Can, can you guys hear me? Everybody should say amen, because that's all you see on social media. Yeah. They never want to show the police officer who stopped and who got a complaint by the neighbors and shows up, and there's a bunch of black kids outside, and the white police officer shows them and goes, give me the ball. And they give him the ball, and he just steps back and just and stops his day at work to play basketball with those young men. Yeah. They don't show that. They don't show the police officer who risks his life to lay down his life to save a, a, a person of color from drowning, giving them mouth to mouth, even though they're not supposed to. They don't show that. Say to God, I'm going to explain something to you. Yes, there's COVID 19. Yes, people are dying from it. Yes, there are police that, are, that are, are, there's police brutality that's going on. Yes, people have died from it. Yes, there is racism. Is it possible it can happen to you? Yes, yes. Is it probable? Oh, no. You know why? This is why I know. Because people don't realize that the original sin, listen to this, the original sin that was committed wasn't Eve biting the apple. Fruit. Apple. Everybody knows apple. She bit the fruit. Maybe it was passion fruit, right? Anyway, that wasn't the first sin. Watch what I tell you. Her first sin was covetedness. Watch this. God says to, to Adam, he says, listen, from any tree in the Garden of Eden, you can eat freely of. But do not touch or eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. So, You can have over a thousand trees, thousands of different fruits. You can eat over a thousand different fruits, but there's just one that I don't want you to touch. You guys catch me with this? You guys catch me? There were a thousand good things, a million good things going on, but for some reason, she wanted to focus on the one bad thing she couldn't touch. And she wanted to have it because she was said she couldn't have it. This was the first sin. This is the thing that's going on within men today. We are so focused on the one COVID case. We're so focused on the one bad incident with the police. We're so focused on the one bad incidents of racism that we don't see all the good that's going on in the world today. We don't see it. We're blind to it, saints. Because we got that same thing E did. We're looking at the bad thing. Yes, there are some bad police. I said some, but most of the police, the majority of the police are good people. COVID-19, it's out there. It's killing people. But there's more healthy people than there are sick people. Yes, there's racism out in the world. Yes, it's out there. People are being discriminated against. But I'm here to tell you, there is more love going on than hate. But if we are distracted in looking at the guy that's moving out and drawing fire, we will be subject to the attack of the enemy. We are not aware of his vices. He is coming around the corner, y'all, and he's going to get us. And we're going to say, Where did that come from? I never seen that coming. What happened? Uh, We're going to be doing all that crazy stuff when God warned us. We say that God is good. And if God is good, that means he's bigger than anything that's bad. So why are we focused on the bad when we should be focused on God? I look towards the hills with cometh my help, for my help cometh from the Lord. I'm going to look at God all the time. He's bigger than anything bad happening. Yes. Yes. Amen. And the problem is when I keep looking at the small stuff, I get, I, I, I get focused on it. This is what Eve did, and I don't think it happened in a split second. I believe once the devil whispered in her ear, I think with the, there was a, a Hebrew name. For, for, uh, for Satan at that time, I think it was called media. Oh, okay, anyway, <laughs> you'll catch that later. Because the media is the one that gave her what to think about. The media wanted to try to change the way she thought. Because God gave her how to think, but the media, I mean the devil, turned around and tried to tell her how to think. And basically said, listen, you know, look, God didn't really say that you couldn't eat from this, did he? You know, take a look. You know, you can eat from any tree. This, isn't this any? So her focus started getting on what she couldn't have. Her focus became on the bad thing. And I believe days she sat there like, hmm, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know what? That tree is good for eating. didn't happen automatically, but when she got focused and kept focusing, watch this and kept focusing, she started agreeing and she got an agreement with the media, I mean, the devil and then started started believing what what she heard, and then she was convinced in her spirit. She she came agreement with what was said, not by God, but by some other entity. And as she saw it, she wanted to partake in it. She started moving towards what God said, stay away from. Do you know God says, do not love this world or anything else that is in it? For the love of the world is not of the Father, neither can it be. But we get focused on these things and we forget about all the good stuff, the stuff that God has ordained, the stuff that God has his hand on. We're focused on the one thing that we can't touch, the one thing that we're not supposed to even look at. Saints of God, we're focused. I said we're focused on it. God didn't say don't look at it. He just said don't touch it. Yeah. It doesn't mean we ignore it, but we go walk around and go, man, yeah, there's, there's one bad thing in there. There's one, that one, one. Can somebody say one? one? There's that one back thing. There's that one minute, but there's a thousand good. Saints, I need you to get this in your spirit. I need you to get this in your spirit. I, 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 I'm telling you right now I'm saying this and, 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 and some of you guys are sitting there, you're looking at me and, and, I, and I wish you, I wish I had a mirror so you guys some of you guys are looking at me and, you know and I know how y'all feel. Trust me, I know and, and, and it bothers me because here I am a black man standing up here and I'm preaching about this stuff, but I have to preach the unadulterated word of God because I'm held responsible for preaching from this pulpit the word of God, and that's what I'm going to do, whether it offends you, whether you agree with it or not. I got to preach truth, and the truth of the matter is, it is possible that you could be affected by the one, but it's not probable. Let me prove it to you. You guys ready for this? Yeah. yeah. COVID-19, people are dying. People are dying. It's, it's a fact. It's a fact. People are dying in car accidents, and they're saying COVID-19. I'm, okay, I'm sorry. Did I say that? COVID-19, they will tell you on the news because the news, listen, the news is never good news. I can literally say never. Never good news. You know why? Because it doesn't sell. Good stuff, good stuff, watch this. We see good stuff, we're like, ah. But if I show you something that bothers you, you're mad for the rest of the day. And guess what it draws you to do? Go back to watch the news again. So they have to perpetuate bad stuff. So the news will tell you that there's a 4% mortality rate nationwide for people to die and get COVID-19. Worldwide, there's been over 400,000 deaths. Worldwide, over almost a half a million deaths from COVID-19. Now, in fact, in California, you guys ready for this? Because you you guys got to hear these these alarming numbers. As of Friday, Friday, two days ago, there have been over 141,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. People got the Rona here in California. Over 141,000 people, and there's been almost 5,000 deaths. Actually, 4,943 deaths. That gives us a 3.5% mortality rate. Now, that sounds low. People are like, man, it's only 3.5. That's 3.5. That's people dying. People are still dying. That's serious. So we look at all these people, 4,943 deaths. Fact check me. You guys go look. I got it from the CDC. Didn't get it anywhere else. 141,000 confirmed cases. But did you know? This is what they don't tell you. There is over 39 1,512,223 people living in California, and that's just the people that took the census. You know there's a lot more than that in California. We have undocumented people that are here in California. They're not in these numbers because a lot of, that's why they call them undocumented. They're not documented. So we got over 40 million people living in California. Do you know if you do the numbers, that will tell you that this means we have less than a point 3% of 1% chance of even catching COVID-19. Go do the math. Less than 0.3%, 0.3% of even catching COVID. Is it possible you catch it? Is it probable you'll get it? Just by the numbers. And mind you, you go down to LA County, Orange County, their rates are way higher. We're up north; it's not as bad up in this area. But just over California as all, your probability of getting coronavirus is very slim to none. With that slight chance, with this very slight chance of even catching this disease, listen, we have put everything in our life on hold, we stopped dreaming, we stopped our goals, and we have lost our hope for the future based upon something that is not even probable. Because we're focused on our fear, and because we're focused on our fear, we can't hope for the future. There's too many of us worrying about suffering police brutality. Too many of us worrying about getting the Rona. Too many of us worrying about defunding police. Too many of us worrying about, is Biden going to be president? Too many of us worrying, is, is Trump going to be back and be president? And while we are worrying about these things, we don't have time to hope for the future. Look, it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter who's running Congress. I'm here to tell you guys something. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging bread. I am a child of God. I said it before. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I'll be able to stand flat-footed and know that God is with me. Who can be against me? We're looking out at the world and what's going on in the world, and stop never stop and look around. Look what's happening in the church. Come on. Help us you can't have hope for the future when you're so worried about today. Look what Jesus said about worrying. Matthew 6:31- 34. So don't worry about don't worry saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" For the pagans run after these things. You know what a pagan is? People that don't believe. They chase after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Saints of God, we have to learn First Peter 5 and 7. Cast all your anxiety, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I said this last service because I just want you guys to understand something. I, I'm a father and I have children and I love my kids dearly. And when they have cares, when they have concerns, when they have fears, guess what? I care about them. Yeah. My kids come to me and they're like, dad, dad, especially heaven. Dad, dada, dad, 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 well, dada, 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 dada. And there's a, there's a spider in my room. Kill it. Come on, baby. So I'll walk in the room with her. Where's it at? There it is. I'll get her a piece of tissue. Kill it. Heaven, look how big you are compared to this problem. Why are you afraid of something so small? Kill it. You guys, I want you to catch this analogy. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. I care that she's afraid. And I go in the room with her. Oh, Saints of God, when we have cares and worries in this world, if we just cast our cares upon our father, he'll say, where is it? Come come, come on. God, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that my, my children are going to be killed by the police. I'm scared that I'm, I'm going to deal with racism. Lord, I'm scared of the coronavirus. And God said, come on. Come on. son. You cast your cares on me. Come on. Let me show you something. I'm going to give you the tools to fight your fear. And he'll give it to you and he'll show you how to deal with it. But what we've been doing is fighting it naturally. Oh, the police is wrong. I'm going to box with the police. Uh, The COVID-19, I'm going to fight with the government because I want to be released. We start fighting naturally when the Bible says that our our, our warfare is spiritual. It's not carnal. When I come to God and cast my cares upon him because he cares for me, he's going to show me spiritually. He'll give me the tools how to fight the fight that I need to fight, saints of God. Stop casting your cares upon your friends and and on the news and on the legislations and stop casting your cares upon the politicians because they don't care for you. I'm I'm sorry, did I just offend you, you guys, whoever you support? They don't care about you. God cares about you. He cares so much about you that he died on the cross. Third hope killer, looking back and comparing. Listen, rear view mirrors are great for driving, bad for living. Great for driving, bad for living. The only thing about a rear view mirror, you know what a mirror does? It shows you a reflection. So if my rear view mirror is only to for me to reflect on where I just came from. When you drive, you don't drive looking through the rearview mirror unless you're doing something wrong. Exactly. It's my past. I only use it as a reflection to look up and reflect on where I just came from. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have perished. I, I, I reflect, I just go, man, look where I came from. That's what a, a rear view mirror is for. But there's too many of us right now that are so busy looking at things in the past. I wish that didn't happen to me. I wish I never had met him. I wish this never happened. I wish I never did that. Listen, you guys gotta get out of that. Some of us spend too much time looking back and saying, I wish this didn't, didn't happen to me. We need to get uh, unchained from our past so that we can get towards our future because if we stay chained to our past, our future gets cloudy. Do you know why people run in? You know, there's traffic up ahead? Because people are too busy looking in their rearview mirrors or doing other things, looking where they ain't supposed to be looking. And when something in front of them stops, they can't see where they need to make a a, a turn or hit the brakes. They run in the back of somebody. That's the same thing in your life. You keep looking behind you, you keep being distracted, you're not gonna be able to move forward into the things which you're hoping for. And I, and I think Paul, Apostle Paul said it best in Philippians three thirteen. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do do, and that this is this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Yeah. Paul said, I'm not worried about what happened. And you guys understand what Paul did in his life? Yeah. Paul says, I was the sinner. I was the chief of all sinners. Yeah. Paul killed Christians. But there's one thing that he knows how to do, to forget about the wrongs and stuff that he did in the past, and I'm going to press forward. I'm going forward. Saints of God, that's what we got to do as Christians, all of us that are in Christ so that we can have hope. We need to forget about the dumb stuff we've done in our our past, and we need to press forward. I I wish I had one person in here that just would give God a praise that your future is greater than your past. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish y'all knew, some of y'all in here knew, now, Wendy knows, Wendy knows my past, she knew, she knew where I was going, she knew where I was headed, but I thank God that my future, even my today is a whole lot shinier than what my yesterday was. Because if any man be in Christ, all things are passed away, behold, all things become new. The fourth, the fourth uh, hope killer is guilt. Guilt is the roadblock to hope. You can't have all the faith. You can have all the faith in the world, but guilt will keep you from crossing the bridge of hope to love the life you're living. You can have faith. You can have hope. You can have love. But when you have guilt, it's a big roadblock keeping you from getting across hope. There's so many people living with guilt. You got to get over it. Got to get over it. Guilt, Jesus bore the shame on the cross. And I'm talking to all you you baptized believers out there. Let me help you guys out. If you're listening to me, you're feeling guilty about something in your life, something you've done, maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was this morning, maybe it was 10 years ago. i want to just give you a few scriptures. John 3 and 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would through him might be saved. And then we look at uh, Isaiah 1 and 18. He says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8 and 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Romans 8 and 1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Saints of God, this is what you need to know. That God is not against you. That God is for you. And if we are in Christ, when we have faith in Christ, we are a child of God. And as sons and daughters of God, we need to know that our Father forgives us if we repent. People may not forgive you, but God will. We can't be caught up in a disease to please. We just need to know, look, God, I repent, I'm sorry, you bore my shame, you took my guilt, I'm leaving it all on you, and we keep going in our lives. But if we don't get rid of guilt, we can't press on towards our hope. It will kill our hope. Watch this, saints. You, you've done something to somebody, you said sorry to them, you went to God, and you said, God, I've sinned against this person, can you please forgive me? God says, you're forgiven, and that person may not forgive you. But watch this. God forgives you, but them not forgiving you, that's on them. You guys hear me? Because we get so caught up in going, I need them to forgive me. You know, you don't need them to forgive you. Because their forgiveness of you isn't getting you in a relationship with God. It's just getting you in a relationship with them. But if they want to hold you on that heart, if they want to hold you captive, that's on them. There's nothing you can do about it. You just got to move on. And you got to let it go. Okay. As I close, Satira, come on up. I, I, I went long today. Praise God. This is what happens when y'all keep me on quarantine. It's you, you, getting, you getting it both barrels. Bang, bang. All right? Fifth and final hope killer. Past failures. Whew. Anybody ever failed at something in their life? Y'all lying. I've seen three hands. Every hand should have went up because if you don't. But oh, no, maybe you're not lying. Maybe you just ain't trying. Ooh. If you have never failed at anything, I can tell you right now, you ain't never tried. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. That's why you're being so hard today. Because I want you free. We need to look at failures from another perspective. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of it. You guys hear me? Failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of it. Michael Jordan failed at a lot of things. But if he never had those failures, he never would have got great at what he did. You guys have to understand that. Every person that you see that is successful has failed at some point in their life. They just didn't allow their failures to stop them. Every successful person in life has two things in common. They have a lot of past failures, and they never let those failures stop them. Now, I didn't, until, this, until I studied this, I never looked at this scripture as failures, but it, the, the Lord just brought it to my heart because I always look at it as sin. But I started thinking, wait a minute, that goes hand in hand because sin is a failure to obey God. Right? And Proverbs 24, 16 says, for the righteous fall seven times, and rise up again. For the righteous fail seven times, he gets back up again. Why that word seven? People are like, well, why is seven? Because seven is the number of complete, it's done, it's over, I am finished, it's done, seven. And then when you go to eight, if you fall after seven times eight, eight is the number of new beginnings. So it's like, I fell seven times, and on my eighth time I fell, it's like one again. It's like one. And then you go back up to seven and boom, one. What is it saying? Don't lay there when you fail. Get back up. You're going to get your, your, listen, I I really, I think we call it failures and we think failures are bad, but failures are stuff that we learn from because if we don't fail, when we get to the goal and the things that we hope, if we never fail, we'll never build the endurance. We will never build the character that we need when we get to what we've hoped for. That was good, pastor. Everybody wants to be rich. Nobody wants to work to be rich. Everybody wants to hit the lotto. Do you know that statistics will tell you, and I think it's like 70-something percent of people that hit more than a million dollars in the lottery end up broke? You know why? Because they never worked for what they got. Working is a failure is a part of working because as you're working, some of y'all know this. You went for a job, you applied for it, you didn't get it. You applied for another, you didn't get it. You weren't being, you know, hired or promoted this job, so you went to another job. But you kept trying to get there because you know what? One day I want to be this. This is my hope that I have for tomorrow. And what happens is the more we get rejected, the more we fail at trying to do stuff, when we fail so much, I, I don't know about you, but failure sometimes sucks the life out of you. Oh, would somebody be telling the truth in here? Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but there's been times that I've, I've tried so hard in life and, and i failed at certain things and it sucks the life out of me. Maybe you were on a diet. You were like, look, you know what? I'm trying to have, I'm going to be slim in the waist and cute in the face. I got cute in the face. I'm just not slim in the waist. And you tried the diet you failed. You didn't reach your goal. Do you quit? Yes, you do. <laughs> You put it off. You put it off for the next time. You know what? I'm just, okay, you know what? I didn't make it. I didn't make weight this week, so I'm just going to wait till the next challenge. Y'all in here laughing. And that next challenge never comes. Because, you know, tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow's always coming. It never gets here. But you failed, and you gave up on that failure. God's saying No. What you do is watch this. When I'm telling you guys, you guys need to listen. If you really want to get to your your goal, you want to be slim in the waist, cute in the face, slim, trim above the rim, however you want to say it. If you really want to be like that and you keep failing, you just keep trying. It's like, I didn't make weight this week, so I'm going to try a little bit extra harder next week to make the weight. So I can I got to do more to catch up. And then you're going to try to catch, oh, this next week I didn't make it, so I'm going to do this. You know what? That says I can have this on my meal plan, but you know what? I'm going to cut it back just even a little because I need to make up for what I've done. And you know what happens? When you get to your goal, you're not going to give it up so easy. Because I worked too hard, I failed too many times, I pressed towards the mark, and there's no way I'm going to give up that which I worked for. But you know what? Oh, I don't want to go there. If we just pop pills to get what we want, we're always going to go back to where we were. But worse. We want instant gratification. That can't happen. We have to fail. It is necessary to fail so that we will build the character to stay where we're at when we get to what we hope for. Watch this. I know lawyers. I know people right now, personally, went to school to be lawyers. They've taken the bar four times, haven't passed it. Four times. you think they quit? No, they're, they're going to take it again because their hope is to become a lawyer. You guys with me? You go ask a lawyer right now, how many times you take the bar? I bet you most of them haven't taken it just one time. I'm sure you'll find some. But there's a lot of them going, no, I took it plenty of times. The thing is, they never gave up. The Series 7. Series 7 for people to do trading stocks and stuff like that. You had to take your Series 7. There's people I know that have taken the Series 7, Series 7, and never passed it, but they haven't given up on their dreams. Because if they do, they're going to stop. Now, personally, for me, I was a radiographer. I was good. I was real good. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I, while I'm up here, I have to tell the truth. I was good. I had doctors specifically wanted me when it came to CAT scans, when it came to certain views and stuff like that. They wanted, they wanted John Butcher. I did let John take this picture because I know he'll give me what I want. I was really good. and This is when I was in the military. I didn't have to take the National Registry, which is the ASRT, because I was in the military. I get out, and, and then now I got to take this test. I get hired with the VA. The VA gives me three, month, three months or something like that. You got to pass this test. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm good because I'm real good at what I do, but I found out I'm not good at testing. So I go take the test the first time, and I, I didn't pass. And I was like, oh, dang it, man. That's okay. I'm going to take it again because I'm good at what I do. And I know one day I'll probably be the head of a department somewhere. One day I'm going to be doing this. I have these big dreams of doing different things, and this, but it all starts off with me passing this registry. I had a hope to become uh, the, the head tech at, at wherever I was going to work. So then all of a sudden, I go take the test again. And I did worse the second time. I'm, I'm done. I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll just be a nurse's assistant. I'll be a med tech. I, <laughs> it's easier now because you know what? I'm just not going to pass. This is what I was thinking. Because I was trained. I was a medic. I could become a med tech. I got everything. No, no problem. I'll just take a step down. You know, it'll be cool. It'll be a job. I'll be helping people because I like helping people. I said, no, that's not what I'm hoping for. I can't let my failure change my course. So I said, you know, I'm going to take it one more time. And I studied and I did everything. And what do you know? I went and took it. Now, mind you, this test is a very long test. It was over four and a half hour test sitting in one place. You got to empty your pockets and do all that stuff when you go and you sit down. You guys know the kind of test. And you sit down and you take the test. And I took the test and I got a 75.3. You had to get a 75 to pass the test. (laughs) And I passed the test, y'all. I never gave up. I kept going, and that's what God's saying to you guys. Don't let your past failures stop you from what God has called you to do. God is just trying to build your character, your endurance, so when you get there, you won't fall. I didn't realize, because I wanted to be the lead tech, not knowing that God wanted me to be the lead pastor. And he built my character in my failures, not in my successes. That's what he's doing for you guys right now. There's things, there's dreams that you guys are chasing and you haven't gotten to it and you're like, I failed at it. No, God is building you up and preparing you for something greater so that you can handle the weight of glory that's about to be on your life. I saw that smile, Ariel. Because you got dreams, and they're not dead. You keep pushing, you keep fighting. You've been praying, and sometimes you forget about the prayers that you ask God about keeping your head because you know a lot of other musicians, you know a lot of other singers and where they're at. God said he's building your character. He's shaping you to get you to the place that you desire. But you have to understand it's for his glory. He just wants to make sure that he's answering your prayers. Keep going, keep pushing, keep struggling. Don't stop, don't quit. Amen. I love the smile on your face. You look like I'm encouraged. That just encouraged me. Amen. So let me leave you guys with this. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your failures. I'm sorry, in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of your failures of my we- my failures I'm sorry I will boast more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me what you mean if I boast in my failing that God's power is going to rest upon me woo for the sake of Christ then I am content with the failures insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when I am weak then I am strong through Christ Jesus That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.